0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners
1: or management of Toginet
0: Radio, Togi Entertainment,
1: or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com.
0: Now that one of the greatest motivators for passion is pain, well today we're talking about propelling your passion for living in remarkable ways. Welcome to Girlfriend It. I'm Lisa Jernigat, and sitting in today for Patty Wyatt is my special friend and guest host, Jessica Pierce. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are going to have a great show, and Jessica and I have already been gabbing away, and we have so many things randomly, so we might take some rabbit trails today, but we're going to have fun in the process. And today, Patty is away. She is actually at a high school camp in uh, California, and uh, she is a a youth coach there, and I I think that's kind of scary, because um, knowing Patty, I don't know who really is the mature one, the high school kids, or if it's Patty, but I know that she's having a great time, and actually, my daughter is there um, as a youth coach, too, and Patty and her
2: are rooming together, which I I can't wait to hear the stories when we get back. and you know, I'm just kind of excited that they made it that far. My kids didn't even make it that far. you know. They, <laughs> at our um, home church we had VBS, Vacation Bible School last week, and my 3-year-old and my 11-year-old were dropouts on the third day. We just couldn't take the fights at home at 10.30 at night getting in bed so late. So the fact that Patty even made it, to, <laughs> Patty made it to high school camp, I'm thrilled for her. <laughs> and she has two kids there in high school that are there with her
0: enjoying the experience. So, well, you know, dropouts, yeah. I, how do you, I've never heard of a VBS drop out. Yeah, I know. We're special. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, today we're talking about taking a, you know, pain and how it sometimes pain amps us up and helps us propel us into a passion. And I know even this week, um, we were on vacation, my husband and I, and we just got back yesterday. And what we like to do so many times is, is, now that we are empty nesters, but we're very young empty nesters, I might add, is we like to take road trips and just kind of randomly travel. And so we have no destination necessarily in place, which is so not our temperament. but we just get in the car and go, okay, where do we want to go today? We just kind of head in a direction. And we take some of the back roads, which you get to see really America do that yeah. way. And we stop at different places, and we, we talk to people, and we find out some fascinating facts and some stories. Well, one night we were um, we were in Door County, actually, in Wisconsin. I don't know if you've ever Where, been there. No. Where is Door? Okay, it's <laughs> right. Uh, right, it's D O O R, and it's this. It's like this resort. They call it the the Cape Cod of the Midwest. Hmm. Or however you say Midwest well, Cape sometimes. Cod? Yeah. It was really, really cool, and um, so anyway, we were we were driving along there, and it's just it's um, not too far from Green Bay. So we were driving back, and it's on the Great One, the Great Lakes, and I don't even remember which one because it's just a vast amount. It looks like you're looking at the ocean, mm. and as we're driving back to our hotel, we look over, and the sun is getting ready to set, and it was the sun setting over the Great Lakes, which it looked like the ocean. It was. Like spectacular! It's one of those things that took your breath away. Mm. That you just had to pull over, and you just had—it was like a sacred moment. It was just very peaceful and quiet, and you're just watching the sun go down. And of course, we had to take pictures, and it's just very quiet and tranquil and peaceful. And it was—the beauty was spectacular. I actually took pictures, and I'm going to post them on oh, the site to see it. Great. Then the next night, we drove—we drive into our hotel in Minneapolis, and there's a tornado warning. Oh my! Everybody's talking about it. It's on the TV, and it's like, of course, it amps me up, though, because it's like, tornado?
2: tornado? Exciting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I'm from Ohio, so um, I've been in many basements during tornado warnings before. It's a little scary, but also kind of gets your adrenaline pumped. It really does.
0: It really does. So we drive in, and they're talking about this and being careful. So we had to go out to grab something to eat, and, you know, tornadoes don't stop you from the food thing, you know. So we go out, and we... Um, we we come back to our hotel and the sky is just it's it's really cool. It's like the clouds so there's this like dark, it really is that silver lining around a cloud. Yeah. You really know talk about that? So we, we stop in the parking lot of the hotel we're like, okay, we gotta get pictures of this. This is really a cool scene. Well, as we're taking pictures, we notice that the cloud formation is changing pretty rapidly and it's becoming like smaller like a funnel. Mm. So I turn on the video part of my camera and I just hold my camera and And in two minutes' time, we watched this technically a funnel cloud form. It was like one of those, and the wind and the rain, and so finally we had to get out of it, and people are just, it took your breath away. But it was amped me up again. I mean, it was like something really, it charges you up, but what a difference from one night, an incredible peaceful sunset, to the next night, you're kind of that adrenaline rush, you're watching the, the the storm
2: clouds come in, but it's like, it's life, Wow, can I just recap what you just said? So you're talking about you were hungry and needed food. Exactly. (laughs) And you risked your life (laughs) to go out. Absolutely. And then because of a risk that you took because you were hungry, okay, food, of course, we're all going to risk our life problems. Yes, yes, yes. You see this beautiful formation. Exactly. Awesome.
0: It was worth everything. Yeah. And, you know, and had we been inside, we are safe, we would have missed this. Absolutely. And so sometimes you do have to get out there and kind of in the storms of life to just kind of experience it, the beauty in it. And you know what? It was really cool because there's so many of us outside talking about it, and it was like a community out there. And so it's like so many times, though, in those situations in life... It forms this bonding that you wouldn't normally have. So we're all talking about where we're from and if you know this experience, and it was it was not common, and so it just leads to these,
2: com- you know, that you've a shared experience. Absolutely, and that's and what pain does a lot of. Times. Absolutely, I think that's you know, pain many times is the foundation to propel you to do something fantastic. Exactly, and I know Jessica that you this past year um, you've
0: had some like trials and tribulations, and so many times when we have those things, again, they either really totally paralyze us yeah. and defeat us, and we let that define us, or we go, I'm amped up, yep. and this has really charged me up, and I'm going to do something, because I know that this is quickly as the funnel cloud comes that there's a sunset waiting. That's right. So just share a little bit about what you've been through, because I think it's so significant, and getting and finding your
2: passion. Yeah, it really was. And I feel like I had, been look, I had been looking for many years on what I could do and what I was being called to do. And through service and volunteering, I wasn't figuring it out. And uh, talking to some career coaches, I still wasn't figuring it out. But um, what I was pulled through in the last year um, through unemployment and uh, also my husband's unemployment, so both of us being unemployed, um, losing a business, and, um... Trying to figure out uh, what we were going to do financially mm-hmm. to maintain our home. Well, that ended up, we ended up losing our home. Um, so, going through, many people are going through today. Uh, I had to figure out, okay, what do I, I need to do something differently? Right. right? I think that um, quote is something about do the same thing over and over. That's a definition of insanity. Exactly. So, to get out <laughs> of the circle of insanity, I decided to do something different and launched a program. Well, on the back end of the program that I launched has come amazing opportunities. So it truly is taking action, figuring out something differently, doing it differently, and coming out of, you know, becoming a renter again and not being a homeowner. That was a huge emotional adjustment to that. It was a paradigm shift. It was absolutely a paradigm shift. And so we had to figure that out and... Thankfully, on the back end, so many things have been blessed, but it truly was launching a volunteer program that got me there. And again, Mm -hmm. launching a program where I'm not making any money from it, and people are thinking, are you crazy? Yes. You need money. It it doesn't make sense. Oh, it totally didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But to me, it did. And to my core group, it made sense. It was the right direction when everyone else on earth was saying, what are you doing here now? What are you thinking, <laughs> Jessica? Go get a job. <laughs> you need money, not more time. Give <laughs> me <That's> yes. Right. <laughs> That's right. And it was, you know, take action, do something different, figure out what the gifts are that you have, and, and turn that pain into something you are just passionate about. Right. And love. So now I wake up on Monday morning and it's an exciting thing that I get to do. I get to work and I get to make a difference in people's lives every single day. And I think that's what we're going to do when we talk to Brittany today um, about what she has done in exactly. her journey. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a couple of things that you
0: said there is, you know what, it's sometimes you're in that pain and you go, it, it kind of gives you an interest and that you have an experience. So you go, okay, what am I passionate about? This is what I'm experiencing. So if I'm experiencing this, there must be other people that are going through the same thing. So how can I use this experience and take this, and even through, um, like you said, your volunteer, you've created this thing called Job Seekers, that helps you get a job. Absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. So many times we look at it as is, is we will, um, it's like people, like you said, it doesn't make sense, you're wasting your time,
2: but actually it's, it's like job experience. Right, absolutely, and the more volunteering you can do and people can get involved with, I didn't know my passion until I launched the program Mm and took a chance with it. Mm -hmm. So, so many times when I was trying to figure it out, I volunteered in so many capacities. And every time I volunteered, I was like, okay, this is fine, but it's not fulfilling me the way Mm -hmm. that it needs to be fulfilling Mm -hmm. me. And it feels like work. It feels hard. Uh, But finally, a moment I found something that truly propelled me and made a difference in people's lives. Every, almost every single person I came in contact with and still continue to come in contact with through that program. Yeah. Um, really reaching out and figuring out what it is you love, love, love to do. And
0: that is really hard to do, especially when it you're is. in that moment where things are – are kind of devastating, you don't have the answers, you're paralyzed, it is hard to even get beyond that mm-hmm. to go, what am I passionate? You're like, you've got to be kidding. Passion, that's the last thing I can that's think right. about right now. That's right. And having discovered that because I'm, I'm so wounded right yep. now. But I think if you can get past that and look and go, okay, but if I can separate myself from that and go, this is a temporary situation, mm-hmm. and, and go, who am I, not in regard to the situation, but who am I really, and yep. what really drives me? And that's what you did. You yeah, know, you got you got to kind of step back from it. And so many times, it's like, don't you find that you can give somebody else the answers, but
2: you can't give it to yourself? Oh my gosh, I just had that happen last last week. My husband, I couldn't figure out some direction and things, and my husband sat down with me for three hours and threw questions at me that I throw out to people. You had a man season. that talked for three I know. hours? I, you know, hello. Yeah. My husband's a talker, believe it or not. More than me. Shocking. He is a great girlfriend. He is a great girlfriend. Oh, I better not say that if he's listening.
0: Sorry, honey. Well, I, you know, I, yeah. We, but some of these guys are great girlfriends. But you know what? We're going to be talking to a special girlfriend coming up, Brittany Thomas, who was somebody who was a survivor who became a rescuer. And she took her pain and has propelled it into a passion that wow. she's making a difference in doing remarkable things. Stay with us.
1: This is Girlfriend it on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it radio right after these. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. On TogiNet.com. Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Pometta is on TogiNet Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 AM Central. The Mommy Mentor is all about family, daily life struggles, saving money, weight loss, cooking, organizing, relationships, and a touch of inspiration and motivation. Phyllis ensures through the Mommy Mentor that moms have a voice, a shoulder, a friend. Phyllis is an amazing woman who has the ability to weather the storm with her pearls on and keep right on going. And the Mommy Mentor was born of that spirit because at any given moment, You might find yourself in need of support from someone who has been there. And Phyllis has definitely been there. With her husband and three kids, the struggles they faced, that's what The Mommy Mentor is all about. One mommy showing support for another mommy. Whether you're a seasoned veteran mommy or a brand new mommy, The Mommy Mentor is here to offer you support, share stories, connect on a spiritual level, and make new friends. Check out themommymentor.com. And then don't miss the show, The Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta. Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on TogiNet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on TogiNet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, you
0: are back with us at Girlfriend at Radio. This is Lisa, and joining me today is our, my guest host, and my special friend is Jessica. And we are talking today about transforming pain into passion and how so many times, those times in life uh, that we look at and we go, uh, you know, it, but yet those are the very things we need sometimes to just really propel us forward. And we are excited to be talking to a new friend of ours that we're meeting, Brittany Thomas. Brittany is um, at the age of 15. She survived one of the very first school shootings, and she is now the state director in Kentucky for the Not-for-Sale program. So we have a lot to talk about. Welcome, Brittany. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are so excited just to talk to you and hear your incredible story, and um, we want to start off, first of all, just briefly, will you explain to us what happened that day um, that really marked your life in Kentucky? Can you just go back there just for a moment?
3: Oh, Definitely. Um, I was 15, and I was a freshman in high school, and um, we were a really small school, just one that you wouldn't think, you know, would ever get any kind of attention, especially um, international attention. We were just real, real small. There was a cow field out behind the school, just really country school. And um, my mom was a teacher, and so um, at our school we had a prayer group that would meet really quickly before classes. And so I walked into school threw my bags in my mom's room, and went off to the prayer circle, and um, I remember the first thing that kind of came to my mind was that not as many people were there as usual, and that some of my friends were missing and i didn't and but then I realized that the buses had not let off yet, so I knew there would be people coming in late and so as we started to pray and hold hands. Um, I kind of felt somebody walk up behind me, but I didn't really know who it was, and we were praying, so I didn't really want to turn around, because again, I knew the buses hadn't let off yet, and I was thinking it was probably just somebody who was late, who was going to come in real quick. And so, as soon as we finished praying, I was getting ready to walk over to my friend Nicole, because somebody had told a joke, and everyone was laughing, and I wanted to run over there and see what was going on. Um, but before I could do that, I heard a really loud noise, and I turned around, and my friend, Nicole, had been shot. And I saw her fall to the floor, but it didn't really register with me exactly what had happened. And so when I looked back around, um, I was standing straight in front of the shooter and, and looking down the barrel of a 22 caliber gun. And I just froze. I didn't know what to do, and he just kept going after everyone around me. And um, a friend of mine it registered with her what had happened, and she was laying on the floor, and she said she screamed at me to get down, but that I just stood there. And so when the shooter was coming back around, um, I think she was afraid that he was gonna get me because I was the only person left standing up. There might have been a few other people, but most people had either run off um, or had gotten on the floor. And so as soon as she saw that, she jumped up off the floor and she kind of tackled me. And as soon as she did that, he shot again in my direction, and it went over our heads. And we didn't really know what to do. And looking back, it was it's kind of interesting because as much as she was, you know, realizing what was going on, we hid behind a glass door. Probably like not the best place to hide. It. Right. We we hid behind a glass door because there was nowhere else left for us to go. We we didn't know what to do, and so. The whole time we were on the floor, um, we just kept seeing people and realizing who had been shot and who hadn't, and some people, you know, were pretending to play dead, so you really, you couldn't tell who was injured and who wasn't, and um, as soon as it was over, she got up and she ran to our friend, Nicole, and um, she had actually been shot in the head, so she was killed immediately, and... Once the shooter stopped, once he finally stopped, eight people had been shot, and three ended up um, being killed. One of them was our friend Nicole, and then another girl was paralyzed from the waist down. Wow! You know what? I do remember when that happened several years ago, hearing
0: about that. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things. You know, you, you take us back, and you just described it. Uh, you know, amazingly well. Where you can, I, I can picture being in that room and. Just the emotions, I can't even imagine, because it's like it's one of those things, I'm sure, that as it's happening, you're going, okay, what is happening? It's so surreal that it it totally catches you off guard, and you you totally don't expect that to happen. You think you're in a safe environment, you're at school, and and you're in a prayer time, and then all of a sudden, you know, devastation starts happening and
3: violence, and you're trying to, in
0: your mind, trying to sort it all out.
3: Um, Yeah, and our school shooting was actually one of the first ones to ever happen. So there hadn't been other shootings that you could kind of figure out what was going on. You know, nobody had ever heard of this before. And right. I kind of remember thinking that it was a joke. And when I saw my friend fall, you know, to the floor, I, I remember just kind of nudging her and being like, you know, get up. We're going to be late to class. Yes. It, just, it did not register with me what, what was actually going on. Well you didn't have a point of reference. Like you said, yeah. it was the
0: first time. So it's just you're you're kind of in that moment trying to sort out and it's not making sense. So okay, so after it's after the the shooting stops and then you're just kind of left standing there and you realize you are still standing there and like you said, you see your friend and you see, you know, just others around you who experience the shot. Um, what kind of emotions I mean, I I know you you can't even separate. But even getting past that, and it, it, it's like then reality starts
3: setting in, and you have it, to keep it action. <laughs> it, you know, it does, and it sets in really quickly. Um, like I said earlier, my mom was a teacher at our school, and. Um, I remember being behind those glass doors, and my friend who had saved my life, who had taken me down to the floor, she had actually, as soon as it was over, had gotten up and ran off, and and she left me there. And I remember just laying on the floor and looking around, and, um, you know, it was pretty graphic, and I didn't really, again, it did not register with me what was going on. And I remember hearing somebody scream, screaming my name and i just it was almost like it was really far away almost just kind of like in a dream and i looked up and i could see my mom and she was standing in the hallway and she had told me later that she heard everything happen and she knew i was there and and she was running through and looking through students trying to find me and so when i saw her screaming my name Um, I remember she was yelling me to run to her, but I didn't really quite know if I could. You know, I didn't really know what to do, and so I could hear the intensity in her voice, and she was screaming at me very loud, you know, and and yelling at me to run to her. And so that's what I did. I I took off running, and and I ran to her. And I remember the first um, moment, like, that she grabbed me. I looked at her, and I asked I was like, Mom, is that a real gun? And I think she knew at that point, again, I, I really did not understand what had happened. And so she took me. Um, into her classroom, and at this point, my mom didn't know that it was over. She makes i think she thought maybe somebody was continuing to go through the school, so she just took as many students as she could and she put us in her classroom.
2: So, so Brittany, I am—I'm um, wondering—you're—you're you're in high school, you're a teenager, yes. and so you're still—you're very young—and you see a friend die in front of you, and you see um, all this shooting, and you later on you maybe start to understand the reality of. How, how how much danger you were truly in. So how did you start to deal with those emotions um, later on uh, as you started to understand the impact of
3: this? Later on, you know, it was really, it was just so surreal. I think it took me a long time. Um, you know, I, in the beginning, I didn't deal with it so well. It was almost just one of these things that, um, you know, we were a group of Christians, and we had the entire world looking at us from a Christian standpoint, and I remember reading these articles in the newspaper and in Time Magazine, you know, how will a group of Christians respond to this, and so I think I kind of just did what I thought a good Christian would do, and and so I said I had forgiven him, and I went on and, you know, wasn't going to let this ruin my life, and just kind of had that attitude on the outside, but really on the inside was, was falling apart. I didn't really know what to do. I was afraid, you know, if I acted the way that I felt, you know, that that would not be a good thing. That wouldn't be the Christian thing. And so I kind of just developed a facade for a while that that I was okay and that, you know, life would go on and things would get better and that this would, you know, end up being something that would help me. And eventually it did, but in the beginning it was just really hard. I was afraid to make friends and to really develop, you know, close friendships because, you know, I had that and I realized how quickly that could be taken away. And so I kind of just made everything surface level, friendships, you know, pretty much everything. And, and my whole goal from that moment, I was a freshman in high school and I just wanted out. I just wanted to graduate and, and start over somewhere else. Well, you know what's interesting about that is you, you made some really great points in there, but when, when
0: you experience something so traumatic like that, it is so surreal and it and you are not the same person and like you said, so you go back into how do you still become a high schooler, you're still a high schooler, you still gotta go to school, you're with people, but yet you experience something that very, very few people experience and it's just hard to jump back in and be the same person that you were and yet on one hand, people are expecting you to kind of be in some way to, to like, you know, get get past it because they don't even know how to deal with it. Right. And so when somebody has experienced something traumatic or a loss or a death, we don't know how to handle that. And so sometimes we just ignore it and pretend like, it, you know, we won't talk about it. It's the elf in the room. But so many times, it's a person that has experienced those things. Um, I have found, even from personal experience, you do want it's okay to talk about it. You, it's, it's really healing for somebody to ask you a question or to acknowledge it and allow you to really feel what you felt and to express it, like you said, because you had to wear this facade. And it's like inside, I'm sure you're walking around the outside going, I'm okay, I'm, I'm in high school, but inside you're going, you have no idea. I am not the same person. I am not who you think I am because of this experience.
3: Yeah, you know, it it complicated things so much that we had so much media attention, and we couldn't go outside at school without being hounded by reporters. They were just everywhere. And I remember um, within the few minutes after the shooting happened, CNN had a helicopter on our football field, and, you know, the journalists and news media had blocked the road to our school so much that it took, you know, ambulance and ambulances and the EMS crews longer to get there because there were so many people there. And I remember they stayed at our school for so long, we couldn't go anywhere. Um And so at some degree, you wanted to talk about it, but then in some degree, you just wanted to get away from it and just be able to go somewhere where somebody didn't ask you where you went to school and then ask those questions. And... And then the other kind of complicated thing is I had a lot of close friends who weren't there that morning. They were late to school or for some reason they didn't come, and so it made friendships very hard because some of us were there and saw things and were really having a hard time, and others, you know, had a hard time, but they didn't witness that, and so it made our friendships um, really complicated because we had both experienced the same thing, but in, in various degrees, and... You know, we had students in the school who knew that that was going to happen and didn't say anything, um, some of those people I knew directly. And so there was a lot of um, issues going on. There were, ended up being a trial, and we, weren't, we were all subpoenaed, and you weren't allowed to talk to these people about it. And so you were almost, at least in my experience, just afraid to really say anything. You just wanted it, to go away means, and be from a it different
0: town. You've got to take a break here, and we want to keep coming back and talking about this and even how you've taken the stain and propelled it forward. Stay with us.
1: is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend radio right after these. Are you going for a crisis? Do you have a tough question you want an answer to? this is your show. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Brilliant Essence speaks to the empowerment of women to find their highest power. Your host, Astrid Stromberg, channels answers to the toughest questions women ask of themselves. Issues ranging from divorce to gifted children, to am I safe to fly, to where's my soulmate, your life's mission, your lucky streak, and your highest self all come to life with Brilliant Essence. Astrid specializes in spirit communication and spirit life empowerment. She is the founder of Brilliant Essence and contributor to the book Living Our Soul Map, Unleashing the Warrior Goddess Within. For more information on Astrid and Brilliant Essence, go to BrilliantEssence.com, giving you the power to be. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com.
0: Allow it, pain can take on a significant journey and give us a new lens on life. Today, we're talking about transforming pain and allowing it to propel us into our passions. And we've been talking with Brittany Thomas, who survived one of the very first school shootings in Kentucky, and just experienced the devastation of that and the loss and watching um, friends around her literally die. And and having to deal with the emotions of that and moving forward and, and, you know, deciding who is she in spite of all that, because you are not the same person. And Brittany, We know that, you know, years later, you took on, you took a trip to Cambodia, Mm -hmm. and that trip changed your life, and you were able to see that trip, I'm sure, through the lens of what you experienced in school that day when you were 15. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and about that trip that you took and what you saw and how it affected you?
3: Definitely. Um, I um, had gone to college. I ended up being able to graduate, did really well in school. That was kind of my outlet was to um, focus on grades and and do really well in school so I could get out and and get a scholarship. So I was able to do that. And I went to Georgetown. And I remember, you know, just feeling like I I knew I had been given a second chance at life, but I didn't really know why. And because I didn't know why, it really didn't mean much to me. I, I just felt like I was here. And I had skipped class and was walking through our campus ministries department and saw an opportunity where you could interview to do summer missions. And so I kind of thought that would be neat. You know, I'd always been interested in missions, and I thought I was interviewing in the room to do missions domestic, like in the United States, but I actually ended up interviewing in the wrong room by complete accident and got sent to Cambodia, which was um, pretty far from eastern Kentucky. (laughs) So... At that point, I was like, okay, God, you you know, you're funny. Um, and so I had no idea how I was going to tell my family that I was in, instead of going to eastern Kentucky, I was actually going to go all the way over to southeast Asia. And so... <laughs> detour, scenic um, route, right? Yeah, just, you know, a slight detour, a couple of um, time, time warp zones over. So I got to Cambodia, and I... I had thought going in that I was going to be a doctor and so I was going to be doing a lot of some of the medical work there, but when I got there, um, it was really neat. I, I was so focused in on the public health side of things that it really kind of changed what I was going to do as far as my career. And I decided, you know, at that point I knew God didn't really want me to be a doctor. That I, I wanted to treat patients, or not treat patients, but do more of the health education. And so we were in the capital city one day, and we were going somewhere, and we were going to get on these moto taxis because they really There's not a lot of cars, and it's cheaper. And so we got on the moto taxi, and there was a guy, and he asked me the question, how old? And I thought he was asking me how old I was. And so I was like, oh, at the time I was 22, so I was like, I'm 22. And he just kind of looked at me, and he was like, that's old. And I was like, no, it's not. You know, and I was kind of like taken aback. And so he kept asking me, and what I realized through my translator is that he was asking me how old of a child I was there for. And, you know, I couldn't believe it because I had heard about child sex tourism and human trafficking, but I had never thought, you know, that I was looking at it. And so the more I learned about it while I was in Cambodia, the more I realized how much it was in my face. And it, it was something that just would not go away. And it was through the trip I ended up being able to go back to Cambodia three other times And it was through those trips that I realized, you know, my second chance, the reason why I'm supposed to be here a little bit longer um, is to give these people a voice and to really fight for them. And so that's kind of where God um, gave me a passion for human trafficking and to work in that industry. Um, But it took going to Cambodia um, to be able to see that. And once I got that, that I was here and that there was a reason and there was purpose behind it, I was able to look back and see that, you know, what I had been through was developing characteristics in me that I wouldn't have had otherwise and was giving me a sense for justice. And I'm not sure I would have that same passion for justice had I not experienced an injustice in my own life.
2: So, Brittany, you took... The devastation of your school, which led you to um, a college that put you into a mission you didn't expect, in Cambodia, learning about the sex trafficking, now what? You bring it back to the
3: United States, and what are you doing now about it? What I'm doing now... um. I have a medical condition where I'm not able to live overseas because for a while I thought I I wanted to go back and live there, and that's what I wanted to do. But I have Crohn's disease, and I have it kind of severe, and so I'm not able to travel extensively for long periods of time. And so I found an organization called the Not for Sale Campaign, and they gave me an opportunity to fight trafficking here in my own backyard. And so what I do is I work as the state director in Kentucky for the Not for Sale campaign, and we are um, an organization that we're a nonprofit, but what we try and do is equip smart activists to be able to go out and, and kind of create a think tank of, of ways that you can fight trafficking and what we say reabolish slavery across the globe, but also here in our own backyard. And so um, most of the states in the United States have a state director with Not for Sale. And so our job um, is to really fight trafficking here in our own backyards. And so I work um, very closely in Kentucky with a lot of different organizations. Um, I was able to get my master's in public health, and so I work on a lot on the the healthcare end of trafficking, like helping doctors and physicians and ERs and and free clinics identify trafficking victims because uh, they say that healthcare providers are the number one point of contact for victims and what we're finding is that in human trafficking these people are hidden beneath the surface but almost right in front of our faces and oftentimes um, it is cheaper to fix that person than it is to go get a new one. So we're seeing that trafficking victims are popping up in the healthcare system all over the the world, but particularly in the United States, um, to be treated for these little, uh, not little, sometimes um, infections they get or or whatever it is medically that's wrong with them, but we're not identifying them. So um, that's kind of what I'm doing in Kentucky a little bit. So, Brittany,
2: um, you know, the first time I ever heard of this, I thought, but this doesn't really pertain to me. And mm-hmm. it, it, tell people what, what the reality of it is right now. I have two girls and um, two daughters that are young right now, but what, what really, what, does it really apply to us and the people in the United
3: States? You know, it does um, definitely apply to us. You know, during the transatlantic slave trade, there were about 12 million slaves total um, that, that came across the transatlantic route here, and today in the world there are 27 million people in slavery. Um, when we talk about trafficking, um, particularly sex trafficking in the United States, it's called domestic minor sex trafficking, and Shared Hope International has a statistic out that the average age of entry for a young U.S. citizen, you know, child that's being put into forced sex trafficking is age 13. Um, Some organizations say 12, but the average age of entry into human trafficking for U.S. children is 12. The other statistic they have that just blows me away is that every year 450,000 children run away from home um, and live on the streets, and that of those children, one out of three are put into forced sex trafficking within 48 hours of stepping on the streets.
0: Well, you know what, and these are like staggering statistics and they are so real. I know Patty and I are involved with an organization here in the Phoenix area because Phoenix has been um, unofficially recognized as the second um, city in the world for sex yes. trafficking and um, we are we're with an organization called Branded Phoenix and Streetlight Ministries which Streetlight is providing a facility for these girls when they're taken off the streets because what happens is there's no place safe to take them so so many right. times they put it in a juvenile home which is basically telling them you're guilty of something so they need a safe place because it really is about holistic healing they mm-hmm. need the, the spiritual the mental, the physical um, you know education because, like you said, they can't just get back in school. They have been so traumatized, and and their experience is beyond what anybody could really comprehend. But these statistics, and and what's amazing is one of the fastest-growing markets for child prostitution is in the United States. And I think when we heard that, it blew us away because you tend to think, okay, this is happening in another country, a foreign country, you know, and, and it's not here. But it is here. It's right under our noses. And one of those things you can go... I'm just going to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist or I'm going to become aware. And there's so many different ways we can respond to it. And love what you're doing that you went, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see what, what's happening in my state with this and how you got involved with the not for sale and taking that on and just becoming you know, an advocate. And even from the health standpoint, which is so significant, because the things that these girls have experienced, we don't even want to talk about. I mean, right. we can't even imagine what they've experienced. But, And like Jessica said, as moms of teenagers, it's not limited to a, a certain group in society. This affects all of us. And I think that's one of those things, even as moms, we need to be aware of this. Um, I know, Brittany, we only have like three minutes left. And um, can you just kind of, just some things you want to leave with people, and even to make us more aware of what's going on or what we can do and, and how you have made this into a passion and what that has done for you.
3: Yeah, you know, one of the things I always tell people is, regardless of what your talent is, that you are, you can live your life in a way so that other people can be free. And one of the ways I think that's the easiest and, and the most efficient way of doing that is to buy and shop fair trade. Um, we have a website called freetowork.org, where you end it, actually free, F-R-E-E-N-2, the number two, dot .org. And you can go to that site and look up your favorite brands, whether it's a food or um an electronic or a piece of clothing, and you can see what brands are using slave labor to make their products and what brands are fair trade. And so I think it's really important that people realize that in an, and sometimes in an indirect way, we pay for slavery. You know, we encourage that in a lot of ways because we often forget labor trafficking as a part of human trafficking. And I think what people need to do is to take their talent, take their life, take their story, take their background, and live it in a way so that people can be free. And I think regardless of what you do, whether you, if you build houses, if you're the garbage man, if you're a professor, whatever you are, there's a way you can do that that can help um, empower other people. And I think you just have to go out and figure out what your passion is and how you can help somebody else live their life to be free. But I, I really encourage people to really look at what they buy and make sure that um, – a child didn't make that, you know, and to make sure that the person who made that um, was not a slave and that what they're purchasing is fair trade. I think that's so important that people realize that we play a part in this as much as we think we don't, we do. Exactly, and and just a an organization that we totally endorse, that we work
0: with, that that really helps um, women that doesn't support this is called Trade as One, and you can find them at TradeAsOne.com, dot com, and they totally support. And you actually get the name of the of the the gal or whoever made the product, whether it's olive oil or I mean, just the common things that we use. You can buy, mm-hmm. use your spending dollars to like you said to support something that is not supporting slave labor. So right. so many great information we're going to have this on our website and the not for sale branded phoenix Trade is one. So you can find this information on our, our website at girlfriendit.com to get more information and even to contact Brittany and just to hear more of her story. And Brittany, we just so appreciate you taking the time just to share how you had took a really traumatic, painful experience, and you totally allowed God to use you, to use your heart. You opened your eyes to something that was so horrific, and you said, I'm, I'm going to be a part of the solution, and you went in there and did something about it. So thank you so much, Brittany. Stay with thank us. Thank you. Talking.
1: Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these Soul Sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Inside Network on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to instruct Inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. Inc. And for Diana, the next big zing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Clickman and Deanna Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Break Green is coming to TogiNet Wednesdays at noon central time starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it at no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Colwell and Corey Cowell lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the green with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with Green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online too at celebrategreen.net and greenhalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to celebrate green, the radio show with Glenn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon central time starting November 4th on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. This
2: is Girlfriended Radio, and we've been spending the morning talking about turning passion into pain. Uh, Other way around, right? Turning pain into passion. Yeah. (laughs) No, passion into passion. But that happens. That does that happen. That does happen. That does happen. So we're going to focus on turning pain into passion. And we have been talking to Brittany Thomas, the state director of Not For Sale, which is a fantastic program. And her story is about taking what she learned on a missions trip about sex trafficking, bringing it back to the United States and just becoming on fire about sex trafficking and making a huge difference in her state, and now we're seeing on a national level of many organizations that are taking that. So we're throwing out the question to you of what pain do you see around you that you can do something about, and what is your passion to make it, make that change? Well, and don't you think that
0: so many times, Jessica, that um, we our, pa- our passion really comes from the pain that we've experienced, and so many times we totally want to avoid the pain, especially because we live in such a pleasure-based society mm-hmm. where it's, we want to be pampered, we want all the thrills, we don't want anything to, to put us in discomfort, you yep. know? And so we avoid pain at all costs, but pain is inevitable. But pain is also temporary. Yeah. And it's a, the best learning experience. And I know when I look back on my own life, it's really through those valleys, those painful times that have really molded me. Unfortunately, that's the times when you grow the most, but yet we don't want those times. That's right. So if we really want to grow, I think it's... it's as human beings, as people, and grow in our relationship with the Lord and with the people, we have to embrace those times when life is not so good Yeah. and those things happen. And you can't always avoid the pain. And like with Brittany's story, she experienced um, a mass shooting at her school, and it's it's one of those things that was unavoidable. She was just there, and it happened. And so many times pain, you know, tragedy happens to you, and there's nothing you can do about it.
2: Yeah, and I wonder if... um, she would have ever even had in her heart's desire the different if, if, if that conversation in that cab, uh, that taxi about asking her her age and if she was going to be a sex slave, if she would have even had the inkling to do anything had she not gone through the pain of the shooting. Exactly. You know, that might not have even been in her heart to do something about, but but because that was in, that happened to her, mm-hmm. it was in her heart to make a difference and not just go do a job. Exactly. She wanted to make a difference in the world. And when you know when you look at people, and I think we all know
0: individuals that have experienced heartache, and and uh, we've seen that some people don't handle that well, and they allow that to define them, and they kind of will spiral down, and their life goes out of control. They never really get back. You know, and then there's others that will take that and go, I'm going to take what happened to me, and I'm I'm going to make sure other people don't experience that. That's right. So it's going to motivate me and get that adrenaline, and kind of get you that adrenaline rush. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: I remember being in a group one time and uh, throwing out the question on how many people have been in depression. And this session is not about depression, but uh, eight out of ten of the women in this group were on some type of medication for depression, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't a depression group. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was a fun group, and we were doing great things. But that was a great reality check to understand people are going through tough times all the time. And so there has to be a a point where we pick up our bootstraps in some way and say we have to move forward from here regardless of what we're dealing with in our life. Well, and so many times I think part of the healing process and moving
0: forward is is serving others Mm -hmm. and volunteering like you said you did earlier. You started a volunteer program that actually has ushered in your dream. Yes, absolutely. I didn't know that was my dream. No, exactly. <laughs> and I think sometimes we just have to move. Yeah. We just have to step forward and just take some kind of action. And I, and I know I, there's this like, saying, my husband used to always say, okay, it's okay to, to feel that and to be in that state, but don't pitch your tent there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Don't yes. put stakes in the ground. Go, no. okay, I'm going to give myself a certain amount of time to be in this place, to feel the pain, to feel this, and to feel sorry for myself, but it's okay to feel sorry for yourself, but how long are you gonna
2: do that? That's right, you know, being in the muck of having to sell our house and coming to the reality of I'm in my dream home, in my dream neighborhood, my kids go to our dream school, I don't want to leave, Mm -hmm. you know, and just having to deal with the reality of that and, you know, pivotal, you know, it may seem so small now and insignificant now that I look back, but at that moment, that was the biggest thing in our world. Yeah. So thinking about going through that process and not having money, not bringing in, having to go down to the DES office because we were on uh, state assistance for health care, all of that, was just such a low time in our life. Well, and you have to get rid of your pride. That's too, right. because so many of oh. us have that pride. It's like, yeah. I'm not gonna be... That, that will never happen yeah, to me. I remember sitting in the DES office and the only person in a business suit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is wrong with this picture? Exactly. Am I in a movie? <laughs> right. It was so surreal. So, you know, figuring out at that low point of my life and going, okay, I can continue to just dwell in this, mm-hmm. and but it's not possible. There has to be a change I have to make and my husband has to make to get out of this and to move forward. And I think that's when we the reality set and we have to do something different. yeah. And my husband continuing to say every day to me, we're living the dream. We are so blessed. So much is positive in our lives compared to 95% of the world. And so the reality of that positive thinking and going, okay, We're going to do something different, and we're going to make a change here.
0: Well, and you know what? Here at Girlfriend Ed, we're all about rallying others to do the remarkable. And I know we've had these conversations because not everybody wants to do the remarkable. And to do remarkable things really is a decision and a choice you have to make.
2: Yeah, and and there are things that you have to give up to go do the remarkable. Exactly. It It involves sacrifice. It involves risk. And yet,
0: if we never put ourselves in those situations, we'll never realize what is on the other side?
2: That's right. And, Patty, I was offered a full-time position in about um, the August time frame and of last year, and I, I remember looking at that position and accepting it and then having to go back and decline it because if I took that position, I wasn't going to have time for my volunteer program. Wow. A different and When we were not bringing in any money. Mm-hmm. So I remember people looking at me like I was completely out of my mind which no. we know that we are sometimes. <laughs> yeah. so <that's> what. <laughs> but what a huge risk for me to say, Lord, this is the direction you're calling me. I am going to decline a full time position so I can launch a volunteer program, and then I had no idea the blessings on the backside of that. Well, and I think that is a great point, and just to just to
0: leave our our readers with. And sometimes I think we experience there's so many benefits that we had no idea would come as a result. And like even Brittany said earlier, she wants to help help others experience freedom. And I think sometimes there's freedom when we let go of certain things in our life that we think are so important and so needed. And then we experience freedom and we start really defining what really matters in our life and what really is important. And I think even through this whole economic crisis that we, you know, our our country is facing, and in Arizona it's very real and we've, you know, really been hit hard. But to realize it's really not about the things. It really is about, it's about people. It is about having your life matter.
2: Yeah. I agree, and you know there are, there are so many people say to me every day. Well, what can I do? How do I know? How do I know where I'm supposed to go? What is my passion? I don't know. And what do you tell them? Yeah. Well, what I tell them is, <laughs> what's really bothering you? Yeah. Is there something that's on your heart that just pops up all the time, and you're yeah. like, why am I thinking about this? Mm-hmm. You know, like Brittany. Mm-hmm. She's like, why am I thinking about this mm-hmm. every day? Mm-hmm. If that is bothering you, take action. That's, that's it. That's your passion. You don't. You may not know it yet. I didn't know Job Seekers was going to be my passion. I was a job seeker. <laughs> and yes. at that time, it was on my mo- on my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. So I took action. It does consume you. Don't you find it that a does. passion is or something, it consumes yeah. your mind yeah. and you become obsessed with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so find out what your passion is, but at the same time, find out what your giftedness is. Mm-hmm. If you do go out to our website, JobSeekersAZ.com, under the resources section, there's a free career assessment you can take that will give you some guidance on what you're really good at, mm-hmm. what's your ideal environment. So take that. Take a look. Use that as a guideline on between your passion, what are your gifts. Uh, to look at any other assessments you've given and start to really brainstorm and doodle and and just ask, what is it I I'm can supposed doodle? To? You can doodle. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Those days that I take off all day long by myself, people think I'm crazy because I'm off by myself, but that's when I'm truly finding mm-hmm. out what I'm about and where I'm supposed to go. Well, and I think so many
0: times we don't give ourselves permission to sit and think and go, who am I? We think that's a luxury, but really it's something we need to do. We, it's like we go in, you know, or should go in and have checkups. You know? Yeah, right. But it's like giving your soul a checkup and go, who am I and where am I? And it's like, you, you know, even because so many times things happen that we're not even aware of that are really affecting us. And we need to slow down and just really think about it and go, okay, what has
2: happened in my life? Where am I now? And kind of take that assessment. Absolutely. Understand. And I think what Patty and Lisa are doing with Branded and with Streetlight Ministries. Just is amazing work what they're doing over there, because that is again something that was built out of passion they had they found out about the sex trafficking just like Brittany did, and they're doing something about it and and the reality of these girls on the street that are picked up at malls these could be my girls, and I live in a suburb exactly is really oh, has opened my eyes. My girls, I don't know if they'll ever go to the mall by themselves until they're 25. Exactly. The well,
0: and I, I think that's
2: smart. <laughs> well, and you know what? We we
0: talk with um, working with Brandon and some passionate people there that are really – and what's cool about um, even Brandon Phoenix is, is, is combining the churches and the community leaders together to take action together. Okay. And so I think many times we look at things and go, I want to make a difference. And I think one of the things is look around and go, is there somebody else doing something already that I can join them? That's right. And I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Absolutely. If the not. wheel's already out there and you find, and that's what we did. We saw, we met with Branded Phoenix and we went, okay, love what they're doing. And, and like Brittany did with not for Sale, love what they're doing. How can I get involved? How can I join them and be a part of the solution? And so I think look around, do some researching, and, and see what is already out there that fits in with your passion. Yep. And can I, can I join somebody else? Yep. You know? join,
2: join the best or be the best. That's really I love your that. only choice. I love yeah. that. <laughs> you join what you really love to do. If it's not out there, go do it.
0: Okay, so I want to do it. We have less than two minutes. okay I want because we want to leave them with, is there something that has brought pain into your life? that can transform into a passion that you use to help others. So I want to do that. What's my first step I can leave with today?
2: Um, If you want to do it, go out, take that assessment. That's one thing. But if you have figured it out, if you know, go talk to your church, go talk to other volunteer organizations. Um, Even talk to a friend. Even talk to a friend. You know, throw it off of a friend. I, I hooked up with a friend to go do this program. So go find out what it is you love, what your passion is, and go talk, just start talking. To network, network, network like crazy.
0: I love that. And you know what? This has been a great show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I also you. told Patty that she had a great guest. I thought Patty will be with me next week. And this has been Girlfriend at Radio. We've been talking about transforming your pain into passion. Check out our website for more information and for some great resources that can get you on your journey. Have a great day.